0: You are listening to the Forgotten News Podcast.
1: But, before we begin, here are a few words about a couple of other podcasts that we think you might want to try.
2: Hey everybody, I'm Alec from the Spooky Adventures of Alec and Sam.
3: And I'm Sam. Do you want to listen to a podcast that is pretty much us flying by the seat of our pants talking about random crap? Then you've come to the right place.
2: We discuss true crime, the paranormal documentaries, and the ghost of the Mexican grandmother who lives in our house.
3: Hashtag ghost murdered. You can find us right now on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Come listen for laughs and stay for a good time. Are you a true crime junkie? Do you talk about true crime with your friends all of the time? And are there cases that have stuck with you for so many years because of geographic or emotional closeness? If so, then welcome to Fatalities. I'm Elisa Lucas, and this is the podcast where I explore true crime cases over tea with the help of my friends, because without tea, friends, and good conversation, there is nothing but darkness and chaos. So grab a warm cup of tea and join me as my friends and I discuss the cases that have struck a chord with us and the related issues that might help us understand why such horrible crimes have occurred. The podcast is dropped every other Wednesday and is available on such podcatchers as Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and so much more. You may follow Fatalities on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, but don't forget that teas is spelled T-E-A-S because here is where we spill the tea.
4: Welcome to the Forgotten News Podcast. This is your window to hear true stories from long ago. Stories that once made headlines. Stories that people thought would be unforgettable. Yet those stories were soon lost in the sands of time, or were buried deep in the dustbin of history. In this podcast, We shake off the sand and dust from those stories and share them here with you, as fresh as the day they were first told.
0: And now, here's your hosts. Ten, nine, eight, seven... Six, five, four, three, two, one. Guess what? Our hiatus is over. Yay. woo Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 33 of the Forgotten News Podcast.
1: My name is Jim.
0: My name is Kit Karen. And thank you for listening. But before we go any further, we want to apologize for the fact that our hiatus stretched for over a month longer than we ever intended.
1: Listeners, we are so sorry for keeping you waiting.
0: Seriously, we had every intention of coming back after this August was over.
1: But the delay was unavoidable. It was almost entirely because of some crazy and horrible things that happened out of the blue in my life. First, some very unexpected home repair issues that I needed to take care of right away to avoid a dangerous catastrophe at my house. And that was followed by an emergency medical situation with regard to a member of my immediate family, which required me to spend a large amount of time at the hospital and also to help with recuperation. So, as a result, this podcast was in suspended animation for a long, long time long time.
0: And our plan for a 60-day summer hiatus ended up stretching into October. So listeners, thank you. All of you that sent emails and messages asking about the podcast or if we were okay or when we would be back.
1: So anyway, near the end of September, my life was finally getting a little better. Thank you, God. I was able to pull together enough stamina and focus to be able to tell Kit that I was ready, willing, and able to restart this podcast. And listeners, thank you for staying subscribed. And thank you for listening.
0: However, even though we are really excited to be back, We just hate the fact that we, we sort of ghosted you. But maybe that might be just the right phrase because this is our Halloween episode. And our featured topic is going to be Strange things found in the woods. Oh, and before I say anything else, maybe I should say, Hi, Jim. It's really good to see you again.
1: Thank you, Kit. It's always great to see you. Aw, thank you, Jim. Listeners, Let me tell you something. Kit is an awesome person. Not only is she a pleasure to work with, but she is smart, funny, sweet. And in the spirit of Halloween, Kit is wearing her Little Red Riding Hood costume. And and little is definitely the word for it. (laughs) Listeners, it's really too bad that podcasting is not a visual medium because not only does Kit look um, incredible in that costume, but her outfit is a perfect match for our topic on this episode.
0: (laughs) But now, listeners, guess what? Not only is this our Halloween episode but we are also celebrating the 2nd anniversary of the forgotten news podcast. Yay! Woo! Woof,
1: woof, woof. Well, the anniversary was actually a couple of months ago during the hiatus.
0: But we decided to celebrate anyway with you our listeners on this episode. So, if you have a bottle of champagne, Hey, go and grab it, and you can join us in a toast. To us. And
1: to our listeners.
0: Yes, absolutely. First and foremost, our listeners.
1: Well... I probably should mention that we were originally planning on releasing two episodes in October. But, unfortunately, we simply started too late to put two episodes together in the available time for this month.
0: Oh, well...
1: However, there will be two episodes in November, if everything goes according to plan.
0: But... On this episode, in honor of the second anniversary of the Forgotten News Podcast, we will have a very special guest narrator. Us! Yes, listeners, I know that you probably can't believe your ears, so in case you might have thought that I was just kidding, I'm going to be crystal clear. Our special guest narrator... On this episode is going to be each other.
1: Yes, (laughs) just the two of us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listeners, are you as excited as we are that it's just us one on one? You are? Yes, I thought you'd be.
1: Yes. Listeners, we decided that for this extra special episode, Kit and I, all by ourselves, will do the introduction, the narration, and the wrap-up. But on the other hand, we don't want to mislead you. There will be a guest voice here and there, simply for dramatic effect. Now, as Kit mentioned earlier, our topic For this episode is strange things found in the woods.
0: Listeners, please take note that as I said, the word topic and not story. So unlike a typical episode, this one will be a bit different. Instead of one big story,
1: there will be a bunch of little stories. So... It's kind of a throwback episode because a few of the first 10 or 12 episodes of the podcast were set up like that.
0: I wasn't on any of those early episodes, so I can't really share the uh, nostalgia that Jim has for them. Sorry about that.
1: (laughs) That's totally okay and totally understandable.
0: And back then, you had that flaky girl, Annabelle, as your co-host? Hey, what was up with that? I mean, I definitely would have done a much better
1: job. I didn't know you then.
0: Oh, right.
1: Yes, the mystery is solved.
0: Well, anyway, on this episode... We will be telling you some very random stories from various points in the past and the recent present, but all the same theme, strange things found in the woods. So it will not be chronological. The narration will jump around in time and the stories will be from several places. Not one place.
1: However, we will go back to our usual way of doing things, beginning with the next episode.
0: Okay, listeners, let's move on. First things first. I think we have already pretty much explained what this episode is going to be about. So, I don't think any sort of detailed warning is necessary other than telling you that some of the stories might be a little too scary or spooky for some listeners. I am mentioning that because obviously we don't wanna be an emotional trigger for anyone. And for the same reason, we do not recommend this episode for kids. Parental discretion and earbuds or headphones are strongly advised.
1: So, with all that having been said, If you go
5: down in the woods today, you're sure of a big surprise. If you go down in the woods today, you won't believe your eyes.
0: So, let's move on to our featured topic.
1: I think I will begin by telling you the story behind the story regarding our topic on this episode. I got the idea for this topic when someone from a different podcast sent me a DM on Twitter and asked me if I knew anything about a story she had heard about staircases to nowhere being found in the woods, especially in national parks. Well, at the time, I knew nothing at all, but the question made me curious. I looked into it and I discovered that there were such stories. They all trace back to a post written on Reddit in 2015 in the No Sleep subreddit. This is an online forum where people go to post scary stories. It is unknown for a fact as to whether the original post was fiction. The post was supposedly written by an employee of the U.S. Forest Service. The post claimed that the staircases tend to be found near areas where someone has gone missing. This story gave me the idea of the topic of Strange things found in the woods. However, I want you to know that this is not going to transform into a true crime episode with stories of murder victims found in this or that forest. Although, there will be a couple of stories that are slightly connected to such incidents or possible incidents. We have decided to begin with a reading from the Reddit post that I mentioned a few moments ago. However, please be aware that the original post is very long. So this is just an excerpt.
6: I am a search and rescue officer for the US Forest Service and I have some stories to tell. I've been a search and rescue officer for a few years now, and along the way, I've seen some things. Strange things. One of my first jobs as a trainee was a search for a four-year-old kid that had gotten separated from his mom. This was one of those cases where we knew we were going to find him because the dogs were on a strong scent trail, and we saw clear signs that he was in the area. We ended up finding him in a berry patch about half a mile from where he'd been last seen. The kid wasn't even aware that he'd wandered that far. One of the experienced officers brought him back, which I was glad for because I'm not really good with kids, and I find it hard to talk to them or keep them company. So my trainer and I are headed back, and she decides to take me on a detour to show me one of the hot spots where we tend to find missing people. It's a natural dip in the land near a popular trail, and people will usually move downhill because it's easier. We hike out there. It's a few miles away, and we get there in about an hour or so. As we walk around the area, and she's pointing out places where she found people in the past, I see something in the distance. Now, this area we're in, it's about eight miles from the main parking area though there are back roads you can take to get closer if you don't want to hike that far. But we're on state-protected land, which means there can't be any kind of commercial or residential development out here. The most you'll ever see is a fire tower or makeshift shelter that homeless people think they can get away with building. But I can see from here that whatever this thing is, it has straight edges. And if there's one thing you learn quickly is that nature rarely makes straight lines. I point out to my trainer, but she doesn't say anything. She just hangs back and lets me wander over and check it out. I get within about 20 feet of it, and all the hair on the back of my neck stands up. It's a staircase in the middle of the woods. In the proper context, it would literally be the most innocent thing ever. It's just a normal staircase with beige carpet and about ten steps tall. But instead of being in a house where it obviously should be, it's out here in the middle of the woods. The sides aren't carpeted, obviously, and I can see the wood that it's made of. It's almost like a video game glitch, where the house has failed to load completely and the stairs are the only thing visible. I stand there, and it's like my brain is working overtime to try and make sense of what I'm seeing. My trainer comes and stands next to me, and she just stands there casually, looking at it as if it's the least interesting thing in the world. I ask her what this thing is doing here, and she just chuckles. Get used to it, rookie. You're going to see a lot of them. I start to move closer, but she grabs my arm hard. I wouldn't do that, she says. Her voice is casual, but her grip is tight, and I just stand there looking at her. You're going to see them all the time, but don't go near them. Don't touch them. Don't go up them. Just ignore them. I start to ask her about it, but something in the way she's looking at me tells me that it's best if I don't. So we end up moving on, and the subject doesn't come up again for the rest of my training. She was right, though. I'd say about every fifth call I go on, I end up running across a set of stairs. Sometimes they're relatively close to the path, maybe within two or three miles. Sometimes they're thirty miles out, literally in the middle of nowhere— And I only find them during the broadest searches or training weekends. They're usually in good condition, but sometimes it looks like they've been out there for years. All different kinds, all different sizes, shapes, styles, and conditions. Some are pretty dilapidated, just ruins, but others are brand new. I saw one set that looked like they came from a lighthouse. They were metal and spiral, almost old-fashioned. The stairs don't go up infinitely or farther than I can see, but some sets are taller than others. Like I said before, just imagine the stairs in your house, but as if someone cut and pasted them in the middle of nowhere. The biggest I ever saw looked like they came out of a turn-of-the-century mansion and were at least 10 feet wide with steps leading up at least 15 or 20 feet. I've tried talking about it with people, but they just give me the same response my trainer did. They'll say, it's normal, don't worry about it, they're not a big deal, but don't go close to them or up them. So now when trainees ask me about it, I give them the same response. I don't really know what else to tell them. I'm really hoping someday I get a better answer, but it hasn't happened yet. I have a buddy who has been a search and rescue officer for about seven years. He started when he was a junior in college, and he had a very similar experience when he first encountered the stairs. His trainer told him almost the same thing mine did, which was to never go near, touch, or up them, For the first year, he did just that. But apparently his curiosity got the better of him, and on one call he broke away from the line and went to check on a set of stairs that were about ten miles from the path, where a teenage girl had vanished and the dogs were following her scent. So he was on his own, lagging behind the main group, when he saw the stairs off to his left they looked like they were from a new house because the carpeting was pristine and white. He said that as he got closer, he didn't feel any different or hear any weird noises. He was expecting something to happen, like bleeding from his ears or collapsing, but he got right next to them and he didn't feel anything. The only thing he said that was odd was that there was absolutely nothing on the steps. No dirt, leaves, dust, nothing. And there didn't appear to be any signs of animal or insect activity in the immediate area, which he found strange. It was less like things were avoiding them, and more like they just happened to be in a relatively barren part of the forest. He touched the stairs and didn't feel anything, except that sort of sticky feeling you get from new carpet. Making sure his radio was on, he slowly climbed the stairs. He said it was terrifying, because the way they'd been stigmatized, he wasn't really sure what was going to happen to him. He joked that he half expected to be teleported to some other dimension, and that his other half was watching for a UFO to come swooping down. But he got to the top of the stairs with nothing unusual happening, and he stood there looking around. However, he said, the longer he stood on the top step, the more he felt like he was doing something very, very wrong. He described it as the feeling you'd get if you were in a part of a government building you have no business being in as if someone was going to come and arrest you or shoot you in the back of the head at any second. He tried to brush it off, but the feeling got stronger and stronger, and that's when he realized that he couldn't hear anything anymore. The sounds of the forest were gone, and he couldn't hear his own breathing. It was like some kind of weird, awful difficulty with his hearing, but much more oppressive. He climbed back down and rejoined the search. He didn't mention what he had done. But, he said, the weirdest part came afterward. His trainer was waiting for him back at the welcome center after the search had ended for the day, and he cornered my buddy before he could leave. He said his trainer had this look of intense anger, and he asked what was wrong. You went up them, didn't you? My buddy said it wasn't phrased as a question. He asked how his trainer knew. The trainer just shook his head. Because we didn't find her, the dogs lost her scent. My buddy asked what that had to do with anything. The trainer asked how long he'd been on the stairs, and my buddy said no more than a minute. The trainer gave him this really awful, almost dead-eyed look and told him that if he ever went up another set of stairs again, he'd be fired immediately. The trainer walked away, and he never, then or later, answered any of the questions my buddy asked him about it.
0: Now, these stories of staircases being randomly found in the woods seems to be an urban legend, or possibly completely made up. However, just for the heck of it, let's say that it's real. And if it is, it's a pretty recent phenomena. But listeners, as you know, the usual focus of this podcast is old-timey stories. So I'm going to jump back in time just a little over 120 years to 1897. And we are going to leave it up to you as to whether to believe what I am about to tell you or not. I will begin in January, 1897 in the small village of Danville, Ohio. Danville is located approximately 97 miles south of Cleveland, or 156 kilometers. In 1897, it had a population of less than 300. So it was small enough that basically, Everybody knew everybody else. And if a stranger were to suddenly show up, it would be noticed by anyone and everyone. Well, in the snowy winter of 1897, a stranger did show up. And the tiny community did take notice so much so that it made headlines across the state. For example, a newspaper article in the Cleveland Plain Dealer on January 26, 1897, breathlessly reported sightings of a giant wild man and that, quote, the inhabitants of Danville are terrorized by the actions of a strange being, unquote. And those were only the headlines. The article went on to report,
2: Excitement reigns supreme at Danville. Business is suspended, and everyone devotes his entire time to talking of the strange actions of the wild man, whose actions in the woods, two miles south of there, have simply terrorized everyone in that community. Several evenings, he has been seen to enter an old log house on Widow McElroy's farm. A number of courageous farmers finally approached the house in daytime, and to their surprise, found it comfortably lined in a bed made of sheep pelts, with the bones of sheep strewn around the place. He was chased by men on horseback this week for three miles, he easily keeping out of their way, carrying a live and full-grown sheep, He is described as being eight feet tall and goes about naked to the waist and has a hair or mane from four to six feet long, flowing down his bare shoulders. He is reported to have carried a child, who was on his way to school, a full half a mile where he dropped him, uninjured, but frightened him almost to death. School has been dismissed in three districts, and a party is being organized under the leadership of Jacob Lybarger to attempt to track the strange being by the aid of the snow.
0: Well... Listeners, I'm sorry to report that there does not seem to be any additional information about the Danville Wildman. We could find no further news reports or anything else about him. I'm not even sure what he was. Perhaps he was the great granddaddy of Bigfoot. (laughs) Really, I have no idea, but what I can tell you is that this will not be the last mention of an unidentified wild man on this episode. However, if this was some sort of Bigfoot, then it belongs to a category of creatures that are sometimes known by the word cryptid. This is a term which refers to animals or other creatures which are commonly believed not to exist, but actually may. Well, I certainly wish I could tell you more about the Danville Wildman, but instead, I will move along to another Weirdly similar incident, also in the woods, but near a different small town. Between April 27 and April 30, 1897, newspapers in Cincinnati, Akron, and Cleveland all carried reports of a wild man. These stories were very similar to the January reports from Danville, but this time, the sighting was in Adams County, which is near the Ohio border with Kentucky. I guess I should mention, before I go any further, that it is highly unlikely that this wild man is the same one that had rampaged in Danville since Adams County is not even remotely close to Danville. The sightings of this wild man in April 1897 all centered around the village of Rome, which is also commonly known as Stout's Run, after the founder of the town, William Stout. Many of the newspaper articles use the names Rome and Stout's Run almost interchangeably. And based on what we have seen on the internet, the community has evidently always been known as both Rome and Stout's Run, or sometimes simply Stout. In any event, as I mentioned, many articles about the wild man began appearing in newspapers all across Ohio starting in the last week of April. For example, the Cleveland Plain Dealer on April 28th printed a featured story with the headline, A Village Terrorized. The article then went on to report,
4: Farmers residing in the vicinity of Stout's Run are terrorized over the apparition of a wild man who has been seen for nearly a week in the woods in that vicinity. A 12-year-old boy, Otto Tracy, the son of Peter Tracy, was caught by the creature some distance from home and severely beaten. 30 armed men started out to hunt the wild man but have not returned.
0: The Cincinnati Enquirer published a similar story on April 27th, but with this extra detail. The wild man was barefoot. He wore no hat or shirt, and he was nearly nude. The article went on to say that Otto Tracy, the young boy who had been caught by the wild man, had been struck on the head which had caused a large gash. On April 28th, in the nearby town of Portsmouth, the local newspaper reported,
4: Search parties have been out after the wild man, but have been unable to catch him. One man who claims to have seen him says the wild man is very tall and almost naked and can run like a deer.
0: The next day, April 29th, the Cleveland Plain Dealer reported that, according to a constable in the town of Rome, there was at least one person who had spotted and fired at the wild man, but that the creature had managed to escape into the woods somewhere in the thick underbrush. The article then went on to say...
4: The entire community is in a state of terror. Women and children will not venture out at night. He is generally seen in the evening, and no one is yet reported to have seen him in the daytime. It is believed he lives in the cliffs north of Rome.
0: But according to this same article, the alleged wild man, "...has done no damage except to badly frighten a number of children." Who met him when returning late from school, and then he fled after shrieking at them. Unquote. Well, time went by, and approximately a month later, the wild man of Rome was back in the news. On May twenty seventh, eighteen ninety seven, the Cleveland Plain Dealer reported on its front page that, quote, the wild man who created so much terror among the inhabitants near Rome several weeks ago by his strange actions has again been seen. Two local men, Charles Lukens and Bob Forner, were cutting timber a few miles from Rome and claim that they encountered the wild man yesterday, and after a severe struggle, say they were able to drive the gorilla-like creature into his apparent lair among the cliffs, unquote. In another article, a 16-year-old girl described her encounter with the creature. I was walking near the woods yesterday, doing an errand for my ma, and then, all of a sudden, I saw him. The wild man that everyone's talking about. He was about six feet tall, and he was naked. The only covering he had, if you could call it that, is his hair. It's curly, and it comes all the way down to his waist. I was so scared, I just took off running, about a minute after I saw him. I ran all the way back to our house... I told my ma what happened, and I said to her that I wasn't going to go anywhere at night anymore until that wild man is caught or until I know that he's gone far away from here. Well, according to reports in the Cleveland Plain Dealer and the Marietta Register, it was stated that once again, quote, a posse of determined men Will scour the countryside until the terror is located and captured or killed. Unquote. And following that article, the wild man almost immediately dropped out of the news again until the following month when he made a dramatic reappearance. According to an article published in the Cleveland Plain Dealer on June 10th, several different searching parties had spent nearly two weeks diligently looking through the woods and hill country surrounding the community of Rome in search of the supposed wild man. The article summarized the results of these efforts.
4: No trace of the creature could be found, although the cliffs where it was claimed he had made his home were thoroughly explored. As if to tantalize the searchers with their inability to locate him, the wild man again made his appearance and then just as mysteriously disappeared. This morning, as several children were going along a lonely road, they were frightened by the sudden appearance of a tall, uncouth being who came out of the woods and ran after them, waving his arms and shouting, and then re-entered the woods and disappeared. A party of 15 or 20 determined men was soon organized, and although they traveled many miles along unfrequented roads and through woods and over cliffs, nothing could be found resembling a wild man. The people are now so thoroughly aroused that they propose to continue the search daily. It is threatened that the first thing discovered that has the least resemblance to a wild man will be immediately riddled with bullets.
0: Well, listeners, that was the last mention of the wild man of Rome in any newspaper in Ohio. At least as far as we can identify. So I don't know if he was caught or just simply managed to do a very good job of hiding. I don't even claim to know what he was. Maybe was he just some guy who decided he wanted to live outside the norms of society, which were pretty strict in 1897, and instead simply chose to spend his life scavenging plants and animals for food in the woods? And perhaps, occasionally snatching this or that thing he needed for survival from a nearby home or two? In the present day, there have been multiple true stories of people who have chosen to live in woods or caves or other hidden locations. Away from any other person. Sometimes for decades. For one reason or another. Maybe that sort of thing could just as easily have happened in 1897. Maybe even more easily. But we are no experts. And we do not claim to have the answer as to any of the reports of a mysterious wild man hiding in the woods anywhere in 1897. And like it or not, at this point, over 120 years later, only God knows. Now, speaking of things that only God knows... And jumping far, far ahead to the year 2017, it was reported in the Jackson Clarion Ledger that Chris Mann, an avid outdoorsman, was on a hunting trip. He was wandering in the woods along the Coldwater River in North Mississippi, and this is what suddenly happened. He was just looking around. Then, according to Chris, he stumbled across a big bag, like a beach bag. It was white and black and splattered with mud. Chris was curious, so he picked up the bag and opened it. He had no idea what to expect. But what he found was something he never would have expected. Not in a thousand years. According to Chris, quote, There were stripper heels, thongs, stripper clothes. It was definitely not your typical Sunday clothes. Not that I'm all that familiar with stripper clothes, but I did have a bachelor party once. Unquote. He worried that something might be wrong, so he called the local police. Chris was told that, for whatever reason, it's not unusual for stripper clothing to be tossed in the woods. They also told him that they had no report of any wrongdoing that the clothes might be linked to. Chris later recalled, It kind of blew my mind. The last thing I expected to find in the woods was a bag of stripper clothes. Unquote. Now, Jim and I are not experts in police investigation procedures, but that really seems like a terrible snap judgment by the cops. Honestly, that seems like an incredibly suspicious thing to find in the woods. Stripper clothes personally and this is just an unofficial stray thought unless the bag was tossed away by some stripper who suddenly found Jesus which seems highly unlikely if I were a cop and I had gotten that call I'd be searching those woods for a dead stripper Maybe I've watched or listened to too many crime shows, but that is exactly
1: what I think. I think so, too. Oh, well. Listeners, I began this topic by mentioning the story of staircases found in the woods. And for some reason, this jogged my memory of a true story from England in 1944 in which the dead body of an unidentified woman was found in a hollow tree in the woods. And according to the investigation that was done at the time, she was a murder victim. However, since this is not a true crime episode, I am not going to get into that story in detail. But if you are curious, I will recommend the Good Nightmare podcast, episode 17, which fully covers the story, and it is extremely fascinating. However, we are going to tell you a different but similar story, except that this story does not involve any dead bodies, and it has a happy ending.
7: Louisville Courier, december eleventh, eighteen sixty seven. A philanthropic gentleman, who lives in the lower part of the city, was on his way riding out in the country yesterday afternoon on the old Salt River Road during the driving storm when he discovered a woman crossing the fence into the woods just outside the city limits. She was thinly clad, shivering in the cruel blast, and gave evidence of severe destitution and hard living. He did not see any house nearby, so he wondered to himself where the woman was going. He called out and questioned her with concern as to why she was out in the storm. She replied with evasive answers, but after questioning her more closely, she told him that she lived with another woman in an old hollow tree in the woods and had been staying there for four months. The gentleman hitched his horse and proceeded to where the woman pointed out her miserable retreat to be, and there, wrapped up in some old army blankets, he discovered the other woman, sleeping in the hollow of the tree, sheltered by some pieces of boards and bark. He awakened the unfortunate woman and asked her name, and she gave it as Jane Hutton. The woman he first met gave her name as Eliza Harris. They said they were from Cross Keys, a town near Atlanta, Georgia, and had come up to Louisville seeking honorable employment but had failed in their efforts, and had since that time been earning a livelihood by gathering shucks of corn, doing washing, etc., and meeting misfortune, with a heroism worthy of the noblest women. The gentlemen who had found them soon made their case known to the people of that vicinity, and in a few hours the poor women were taken from their uncomfortable refuge and were well provided for.
0: And that is the end of our stories of strange things found in the woods.
1: Hey, I think they were pretty good.
0: It was a nice mix. Scary, funny, cute, weird. But in a way, they all boiled down to the same thing. Be careful. Very careful. If you go in the woods or better yet, stay out all together. If you have the option.
1: Definitely. And the truth is, if we had unlimited time, we could have told hundreds of stories of strange things found in the woods.
0: Seriously. On this episode, we just scratched the surface. But even so, it was fun. And listeners, we hope you liked all of our guest voices
6: who helped us to tell the stories. Julie Hoverson, producer of the award-winning audio drama anthology series, 19 Nocturne Boulevard at 19NocturneBoulevard.com. Also the mind behind At A underscore D underscore infinitum, a Twitter feed bringing scripted audio drama from the four corners of the web to listeners everywhere. Check it out if you're looking for a good listen.
4: Jerry Kokich, I'm a voice actor who's always working on my craft. My email address, should you wish to contact me, is j-e-r-r-y-k-o-k-i-c-h at yahoo.com. You can also find me on Facebook. And I have a website at jerrykokichvoiceactor.weebly.com. Y'all have a nice day now.
2: This is the Delicious Nicolicious from the Brohio Podcast. We are very happy to be on the Forgotten News Podcast. If you would like to check out the Brohio Podcast, you can head on over to any of your favorite podcast catchers, We're covering aliens, demons, monsters, ghosts, cryptozoology, all of the unknown with a juvenile, raunchy twist.
5: Hey, listeners of the Forgotten News Podcast. This is Emily from The Story Behind, dropping in just to say...
3: Hi there!
4: Hi, this is Pete Lutz. I hope you'll join me monthly on the Mutual Audio Network and at naradaradio.libsyn.com for two podcasts that I produce... On or about the third Sunday of every month, I put out Old Time Radio Essentials, and that's where three of us gather together and play an old-time radio episode from the series of our choice, and then we discuss it at length, and that's a lot of fun. And then on or about the fourth Sunday of every month, we'll put out another episode of The Cellar. The Cellar is a horror and suspense anthology hosted by the eerie yet strangely funny Cadaver Quivery, and we know you'll enjoy that. So that's MutualAudioNetwork.com and NaradaRadio.Libsyn.com, or you can search on your favorite podcatcher, Narada Radio Company Audio Drama. Thanks.
7: Aaron Fleming, the host of the Red Rum Blonde podcast.
5: Hi, I'm Kristen out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. I like ice cream and I have a rabbit. We would
0: like to thank the many kind podcasters, listeners, and other individuals who contributed their voices to this episode. Thank
1: you, everyone. Yeah! And listeners, if you have comments or questions regarding any of the stories, just send an email. The address is Forgotten News Podcast. At gmail.com.
0: Jim loves to be asked questions.
1: People only ask questions when they think you know the answers.
0: No one ever asks me any. I wonder why. I wonder. Oh, well, <laughs> let's move on. Okay, and now, listeners, moving on we will present the latest installment of our regular segment, Police Blotter and Court News, in which we bring you stories of small-time crooks and other random men and women who, for one reason or another, ended up in the jaws of the justice system a century or more ago. And this particular segment will be narrated for you exactly as it was published in the Cleveland Plain Dealer on July 15th, 1862. However, before we begin, we will mention two quick things. First, in regard to money, any time that you hear any amount of money described in this segment, Please take note that $1 in 1862 is the equivalent of approximately $25 in the present day.
1: So, if the amount of a fine or anything else seems low to you, it isn't.
0: Second, we will now give a short warning to listeners before we begin the segment. Please be aware that in the police blotter and court news segment on this episode, there will be brief mentions of drunkenness, violence, and sex crimes.
1: So, listeners, if you think that any of these topics might trigger a negative emotional reaction, then you should probably skip ahead to about seven minutes from now, give or take a few minutes.
0: And with all of that having been said... Here we go. Police
7: blotter in court news.
1: Silence! Silence in the courtroom!
8: Municipal Courts, Cleveland, Ohio. July 15th, 1862. Charles Washington charged with indecent exposure of person. Case continued to July 19th. Isabella Grant, charged with intoxication. Convicted, but discharged with penalties waived on promise of future good behavior. William Homer, William McIntosh, and Abraham Dudley, charged with disturbance. McIntosh was also charged with assault and battery. Homer and Dudley were each found guilty with a fine of $5 and court costs. McIntosh was also found guilty, but was fined $10. These men were then discharged, with a stipulation of five days in jail, if the fine was not paid. John Quinlan, charged with assault and battery. The case was continued to July 19th. Patrick Welsh, Charged with assault with intent to disfigure. Case was continued to July 19th. Welsh is the man who had the fight with Quinlan. Patrick Nest. Charged with vagrancy. Defendant discharged. Case dismissed. Sarah Tarleton. Charged with petty larcency. Defendant discharged. However, this case is a peculiar one having terminating in a manner not expected by the plaintiff. It appears that Sarah Tarleton, who has lately been a resident of a house of prostitution, kept and operated by Richard Van Tassel, was charged by him with stealing a dress from his wife. She was no sooner arrested on this charge when she brought one against Mr. Van Tassel for keeping a brothel. The result was Miss Tarleton's discharged with charges dismissed. Mr. Van Tassel was found guilty and fined $25 and court costs. A pretty good joke on Richard. <laughs> Jeremiah and Andouli, charged with disturbance. The case was continued to July 19th. John Donnelly, charged with petty larcency. Case dismissed. George Crawford. Charged with disturbance, he was fined $3 and court costs. John Llewellyn, 55 years of age, was arrested on Saturday by Constable Whitney on a charge of incest. The circumstances connected with the case are of the most revolting and sickening character. This wretch, Llewellyn, is charged with having committed incest upon the persons of his two daughters, He has been in the habit of periodically committing the above horrible outrage for the last three years. The scoundrel denies the charges against him, but the stories of his girls, told in a simple, straightforward manner, conclusively fastens the guilt upon him. Llewellyn previously resided with the Shaker community, but his bad character became known to that Christian sect, and he was soon kicked out. He has afterward lived in various towns and villages in northeastern Ohio. The prisoner was arraigned on the day following his arrest. He waived his right of examination. The judge thereupon ordered the defendant to be bound over the court of common pleas for a trial on the charges. Update, December 3rd, 1862. John Llewellyn appeared yesterday before Judge Coffinberry of the Courts of Common Pleas of Cayuga County for committing the crime of incest upon his two daughters. He was sentenced to seven years in prison.
1: I hereby declare this court is adjourned.
0: And that brings us to the end of the police blotter and court news segment. For this episode. We hope you enjoyed this brief visit. To the dark side streets of the past. A visit that you are very unlikely. To experience anywhere else. Now moving on. We would like to express our deepest thanks. To the excellent guest narrator. And guest voices. On the police blotter segment. Please take a bow. And tell our listeners a little about yourselves.
8: Jeremy Collins of the podcast we listen to Facebook group and host of the podcast by the same name.
3: Hey, it's Siren Star. I'm a multi-genre vocalist and video game music cover artist. I'm now exploring the world of voiceovers. You can find me and more of my work on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for listening.
4: My name's DJ, and I co-host a podcast with my wife, Bethany, called The Untrained Eye. It comes out every Tuesday, and it's available everywhere podcasts are available. Uh, It basically is just me and Beth talking things out as best we can, just trying to figure out life one extended conversation at a time. Uh, If you'd like to interact with us any other way than just listening, you can do that at untrainedipod on Instagram and Twitter, or you can shoot us an email, untrainedipod at gmail.com. Thanks. Bye.
0: And once more, thank you.
1: Absolutely. Thanks again. Thank you to everyone. Listeners. We would very much like to be able to tell police blotter stories from the 19th century newspapers of your city or town. So, if you have the time and ability, just send it to us by email. The address is ForgottenNewsPodcast at
0: gmail.com. Now, we will move on to our recommendations and advice segment for this episode. Jim and I will each take a few moments to mention something that we think our listeners might be interested in hearing. However, for this episode, we decided that our recommendations or advice should be something connected with Halloween. And as usual, we want you to know that Jim and I do not synchronize or discuss our comments or suggestions in regard to this segment before we record. We want our recommendations and advice to always be a surprise for the listeners and for us. And on this episode, Jim will go first, then me.
1: Listeners, you will hear some people complaining about teenagers trick or treating but my recommendation to you is that if a teenager comes to your door with or without a costume please give them candy i would much rather that your teenager be trick or treating than drinking or doing drugs or some other stupid thing at a halloween party so bottom line Teenagers are not too old for Halloween. They're not too old to wear silly costumes. They're not too old to enjoy the spirit of the holiday. Hey, listeners, if a teen comes to your door on Halloween night, please don't be a jerk. Just give them some candy.
0: For this episode, for Halloween, I'm going to recommend a TV show That I saw on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there. But the name of the show is Slasher. It's a scary show. Basically each season is a different story. So the first season was basically about a woman who is confronted with a series of horrifying copycat murders. That are based on the widely known killings of her parents years ago. And so you find out who's doing that. And some other people may die, of course. The second season is another great premise where there's... Oh God, I can't remember exactly what it was. But you should watch it if you want to be scared and you like creepy like um it's it definitely has some graphic violence um so if you don't mind that and blood blood guts and gore don't mind that definitely check it out again it's on netflix it's a canadian tv show and i started watching it because i really like one of the stars of the first season her name is katie mcgrath She played, I forgot exactly who she played, but she was in Merlin. And that was a really great show, too. So, yeah, just check out the show if you want to be scared. And I don't think that we have any other recommendations or suggestions for our listeners on this episode. But, listeners, if you have a suggestion for something, that you would like us to mention on this segment, just send us an email, and if it's a good recommendation, we'll pass it along on a future episode.
1: Next, I'm almost afraid to say this because of the long hiatus, but we'd very much appreciate if you would please go to iTunes, also known as Apple Podcasts, and rate, review, and subscribe. To the Forgotten News podcast.
0: But we are only permitting five star reviews at this time. <laughs> Listeners, Jim has been through a lot of difficult stuff lately. And honestly, so have I. So please be nice to us. Go to iTunes and give a five star review to the Forgotten News podcast.
1: Pretty please. And thank you for that, listeners. By the way, all jokes aside, we love to hear from you. And we love when you email us with suggestions or comments.
0: So if you'd like to say anything to us, it's easy. The address is ForgottenNewsPodcast at com. You can also contact us on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, just type Forgotten News Podcast in the search bar. On Twitter, our handle is at News Forgotten. By the way, if you'd like to talk to me on Twitter, secretly from Jim, my handle is at KidKaren. Just follow me. I promise to follow back. And then you can slide into my DMs. I will respond as long as you're nice. You have to be nice. One more thing. Listeners, in case you don't know, I host another podcast, Whispered True Stories. The stories are all about true crime and mystery, but told entirely in whisper. If you think you might enjoy that, check it out. And I can't think of anything else to say. How about you?
1: Nope, not me. I think that's everything.
0: Well, I do want to tell the listeners that our goal is to release two episodes in november
1: definitely especially since we promised two episodes in october and we only released one this one
0: listeners we are going to try to release at least two episodes each month from here on out let's do it and on that note goodbye everyone
1: thanks for listening
0: Happy Halloween and happy second anniversary to the Forgotten News Podcast.
1: See you in November.
0: And remember,
1: history is
0: no
4: mystery. Thank you for listening to the Forgotten News Podcast. You will now be returned back to the present day and we hope that we can count on you to join us for our next episode.
5: About time, I told you about the first time I talked with someone from the living world. It was a long, long time ago. I still come to him from time to time, too. He was about 15, I think. He was in deep emotional pain. He had just lost his younger sister in an accident and blamed himself harshly for it. I had taken refuge in his home recently, hiding in the attic and not aware I was dead yet. It wasn't until I noticed that no one in his house could see me, I realized my grim fate. I tried my absolute best not to get caught, but whenever I did, they would just act like I wasn't there. (laughs) That was when it made sense to me despite the fact that I was scared out of my mind at the time. But enough about me. I'll get back to the boy. Almost every night, I could hear his cries of agony in my head. He would lash out at himself, using very harsh language and saying things that I knew couldn't be true, even though I didn't know him very long. One night he just Lay awake in his bed the whole night, not getting a single minute of sleep, and still went to school the next day, coming back home to only sleep all day and wake up early the next morning. I couldn't stand seeing him like that. I knew I didn't know him very well, but I couldn't just flip there doing absolutely nothing for him. I did something very risky. When he went to bed one night, I decided now was the time I revealed myself to him, trying not to scare him and comfort him the best I could. It worked. After I got him to calm down and after his mother came into his room to comfort him as well, thinking he had had a nightmare. After that, he was very confused and afraid. I just explained who I was and why I was there and I eventually got him to talk with me. He would tell me many stories about his sister trying his best not to cry and if he did he surprisingly let me hug and comfort him after I gave myself the ability to physically touch him. I even whispered sweetly to him telling him everything would be okay and I was there for him. He just wanted someone to talk to someone he could share his pain with and eventually let it go. He told me I reminded him a lot of his sister. He would then tear up and hugged me back, crying softly on my shoulder. I then made it my goal to visit him every night and talk with him about more aspects of his life. Like his friends and family, funny things that happened that day, what made him angry, almost everything really. One night I... I even gave him a kiss. He was very shocked when I did so, but I could tell deep down. He felt more at ease than he had for a long time. I don't even know what came over me when I did that. I just felt that was the best thing I could have done for him. A few years go by. He moves out of the house and gets a place of his own. Got a job, a car. He was becoming a successful, happy young man. And I felt so happy for him. Then I left his old house and moved in with him at his then new apartment. After that, we would talk more and more. And now, his time is almost up. He's lived a very long, happy life. I'm so happy I got to meet someone like him. And now we can always get together and talk, no matter where we are, and not worry about anything at all. It's only a matter of time. And when that time comes, I'll be right by his side, smiling at him, and letting him know that everything will be okay.